Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let us pray. God of faith, be present. Through the gift of your Holy Spirit, may the words of my mouth and the responses in the hearts of this community be pleasing in your sight, serving to make the world a more hospitable, just, and peaceful place for all. In gratitude we pray. Amen. So, have you ever thought about faith as a project you're working on? I sure hadn't. And then, on one of my early visits at Kingsfold Retreat Center in the foothills, beautiful foothills west of here, a woman named Katie asked me at dinner, she said, so how do you practice your faith? I was like a deer in the headlights. I literally choked. As a busy mom juggling working and raising children as a single parent, with almost no experience in church at that point, I had no idea. Faith? What's that? Hey, I went to school with a girl named Faith once. And there was this pendant that people wore a lot when I was a child. Do you remember it? It had three charms on it. Charity, a heart, hope, a cross, and faith, an anchor. What did an anchor have to do with faith, anyway? That was it. The sum total of what I knew about the meaning of faith. So I guess we're done here then. You can all go home. Okay, just kidding. In the past decade or so, I've learned a little more about faith, the meaning of faith. And since our scripture reading for today explores the meaning of faith, I've been thinking a lot more about it in the past days. Many of us apply the word faith to things we believe in or feel strongly about. People of faith usually describes those who believe in things that are materially uncertain. But the most essential thing I've learned about faith from research and life experience is this. Faith isn't a place we arrive at and remain. Faith is a journey. And for those of us who are able to remain on it, it's a journey without end. So I was at Kingsfold Retreat Center again this past week, and a fellow guest, who is also a member of this community and likely watching online right now, Uh, was sharing dinner with me one night, and she mentioned that a pastor she knows said he has to decide when he wakes up every single morning whether he's going to be a Christian that day. Interesting, and I can relate. I've been a full-time student at Vancouver School of Theology, studying Christian theology for three years, and honestly, I still have to ask myself that question too. And speaking of my study of Christian theology, This past spring, I took a course on science and God from minister and astrophysicist David Wilkinson. I learned that whether we are pursuing science or religion, if we are on a journey towards understanding the meaning of life in some way, we are on a faith journey, which means people pursuing science and people pursuing God are actually on the same journey. John Pokinghorn, who's a physicist and priest who died uh, in the last few years, 
says science and theology complement each other because both share a common search for truth, even though they focus on dim different dimensions of truth. In fact, many authors point out that modern science owes religion a relationship of friendly gratitude, at least, since religion provided the intellectual matrix that brought science into being. Max Planck, he's the person who founded uh, quantum theory, the physics theory, quantum theory. He says, faith is a quality all scientists must have in order to seriously engage in scientific work. And Einstein said, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. In fact, both science and religious imaginations are driven by faith. Faith that truth exists and the desire to pursue it. Also, many argue today that in order for scientific advancements to continue, to continue to be in support of a diverse living earth, over human and corporate inter interests solely, our science must be grounded in the strong ethical backbone that we only have access to because of a long history of religion. As our scientists take apart life and put it back together in ways some of us humans think are better, we must learn to have conscious ethical regard for the effects of our actions on other species and this beautiful larger world. And in the end, we would all benefit most, I think, from being on a journey of faith that moves us toward a greater understanding, not of science, not of God, but of science and God. For one who has faith that a creative force underlies the magical mystery of this universe, the best way to think of science is as a gift from God, I think we can understand the meaning of faith as conveyed in the scripture reading that you heard Andrea read before from Hebrews. The author of Hebrews suggests that faith is what allows us to understand that the world was made by the word of God and that God created what we see from things unseen. In other words, from an immaterial world beyond our present seeing, this incredibly rich and diverse material universe was formed. Whoever or whatever its original source, this universe, this solar system, this earth is a creation stunning in its beauty and complexity. This is a creation worth celebrating and its creator is most worthy of our praise. Okay, so my sermon has three points and that was the first, so two more. Has anyone here heard of Richard Dawkins? Has anyone here read his books? Of faith, Dawkins says, I think a case can be made that faith in any religion is one of the world's great evils, comparable to the smallpox virus but harder to eradicate. Faith is a great cop-out. Wow. To a person of faith, this sounds offensive, doesn't it? But as I've already argued, many scientists accept faith as foundational to their scientific work. And 
Also, what Dawkins' controversial statements do, besides selling a lot of books, is reinforce the idea that there is an essential and unavoidable conflict between religion and science. And guess what? It's not true. It's not true. As I am learning in my studies, and theologians have um, said, and, and scientists as well, theolo theology and science have more in common than they realize in many cases. In fact, many are on the same journey. Perhaps Richard Dawkins' use of the word faith is the problem. His use of it suggests he thinks of faith as a, review, a refusal to ask questions. Is faith a refusal to ask questions? As I have pointed out, faith as many other scientists understand it is actually the opposite. The opposite. It's having the courage and determination to keep asking questions despite the fact that there are no easy answers. So here's the thing. When people of faith, with faith in God get all uppity in response to Dawkins' statements and build powerful arguments against him, which many have done very successfully now, they often are unintentionally perpetuating the unnecessary conflict that Dawkins' work promotes. And this is something I learned from my, my professor, David Wilkinson, and I'm grateful for the teaching of. Dawkins and other scientific atheists who argue against religion reinforce a conflict model between science and religion, and it's not helpful, and as I've said, it's not necessary. We're on the same journey. Like so many areas of Western civilized life in 2022, it can be divisive and polarizing. Taking a position that counters it and arguing for something different is like when we add another log to the campfire that I'm hosting at Bonus Park this summer as a student of St. Thomas. When you put another log on a fire, what happens? Doesn't really put the fire out, does it? A more helpful approach suggested by my professor is to focus our energy on celebrating the role of science. Celebrate it within our churches. Lift up the work of scientists, the work that they're doing to help us better understand the laws of nature as a way of recognizing that we are alongside them on a journey seeking truth. The author of Hebrews provides numerous examples of faith from the Hebrew Bible, and each contains elements of faith as related to God and science. Noah heard God's warning and because of his faith in God, he built an ark. The ark was a genius of engineering, and the flood was a weather phenomenon, both better understood through science. Abraham and Sarah were guided by faith in God, but the physical anomaly that allowed them to bear descendants when Sarah was beyond childbearing age, well, that event might be better understood through science. Remember that symbol from the charm that I mentioned? the anchor that was used for faith. Maybe I was a bit slow to the party, but I finally figured out what the anchor represents. The anchor represents faith because an anchor keeps your boat from floating away when the wind picks up. It grounds us when we're in the deep. But here's the thing about anchors. They are very heavy, which means they can also weigh you down. 
So while on a faith journey, I think we need to know when it's important to drop the anchor to keep our boat from capsizing, and when it's important to lift it up again and go exploring in deeper waters. In other words, we have to learn the difference between using faith as an anchor in a storm and letting it turn into unwavering belief that gets us stuck in the mud. And this is my third point. In Hebrews, we recognize that the prophets of old each had and lived out faith in difficult and meaningful ways. Their faith was both a product of their experience of connecting with God internally and a result of their lived experiences externally. Both are important. The inner listening and the outer witnessing. We have practiced centering here, uh, prayer here for all, the many years I've been coming to Hillhurst now. But I've also recently become familiar with listening prayer. Have you heard of this? Listening prayer invites us to make space inside ourselves to hear what God is asking of us. I remember my son saying as we walked home from school one day many years ago, probably in response to my command that he be silent for five seconds, hey mom, did you know listen has silent in it? Yeah, same letters. He was about eight years old. The thing is, faith isn't something most of us are born with, nor is it a product of grade school science classes that teach us you know, about the basic laws of nature, nor of early Sunday school classes about Jesus and prophets like Abraham. In fact, for many in those early lessons, they were told to just believe without question. And what did that lead to? Trauma and rejection of faith altogether in some cases. I, we, I think, many of us, have heard John Penland say belief and faith are different. I think belief tends to become a bit belligerent with time. Beliefs cause us to judge others who think differently than us. They can make us close to new ideas and defensive about maintaining our own position. Biblical scholar Amy Jill Levine says belief is like love. It cannot be compelled. It does not rest on logical argument or historical proof. We need to know this about belief. But faith, faith is something different. Faith does not mean certainty. It means having the courage to live with uncertainty. It doesn't mean having all the answers. It means having the courage to ask the questions. Faith, then, is the product of experience and inquiry and openness. It grows inside us first and requires that we make an empty space large enough to tend it and nurture it so it can grow. This requires that we practice being silent so that we can learn to listen. And to my conclusion, today I recognize that I am on a faith journey with some unexpected side trips and that I am still learning about the true sources of faith in my life. But one thing has become very clear to me. My faith is not grounded in God or science, but in both God and science. 
In my theology, God is most evident in the untouchable, immaterial light being transformed into material life all around us, all the time. And that is most evident in the weather cycle that carries life-giving water from rivers to cloud banks and back again, nourishing everything it touches. This is a mystery of life, a source of faith in God and science, the way I see it. It's incredibly beautiful, and you can all be witness to it just as soon as I stop talking, so you can go outside and enjoy this beautiful summer day. So at the close of my class with Dr. David Wilkinson in June, he introduced us to this song called So Will I that I've just introduced you to. It's a beautiful song. It's like 10 minutes long. I encourage you to all to go listen to it at some point with an open heart, but not this afternoon because you'll be, of course, be outside uh, enjoying the creativity happening out of doors on this beautiful summer day. But this song, So Will I, demonstrates a creative project that connects faith in evolutionary and cosmological science with faith in the ultimate reality of our creator God. Artists, take note. We need more of this. It moves us beyond the ongoing conflict between science and religion into a call to worship creation and its creator with open-hearted love and faith. So I want to end with an important fact I read in one of Dr. John, Doc, Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Sachs' books, and he's a fantastic author. I encourage everyone to look him up if you haven't heard of him. It connects with Hebrews 11, our scripture for today. Sachs reminds us that the first unshakable faith is the faith of our creator, God. The one who had faith enough to create this marvelous universe. The one who never leaves anyone behind. The breath of light that breathes life into us in and out like worship from the moment we are born until the moment of our physical death. Creation was an act of faith on the part of the creator, says Hebrews and says Sachs. And I agree. More than we can ever have faith in God, God has faith in us more than I can ever have faith in God. God has faith in me. More than you have faith in God. God has faith in you. So if creation sings God's praises, so will I. So shall we. If nature and science celebrate the mystery and wonder of life, so shall we. Thank you, and thank you. Um, Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.